Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. DeVito, pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game! DeVito, in relief, wins it for the Orange! They don't know about the kumbaya meetings we had this week. Swing into this! It is over! The Boston Red Sox, baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. The Bills make me want to Josh Allen, touchdown Buffalo. A 14-yard quarterback draw. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. And the celebration begins. This is on the block. Right, you know, there's validity in that opinion. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica Rome, heard on 96.5 FM, heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing, on the ESPN app, all great ways to take in the show, in the traditional sense, at the heart of it, at the base of it. This is a radio program, but look, you you got you have cats out there know the world has evolved. There's different ways to consume content and media, and it's all at your fingertips. It's all on demand, and and we have we have adapted with the times. That's not something that Uncle Brent is particularly good at, but hey, you got to roll with the punches, baby. So in doing that, you can listen to the show in all those traditional means, or. You can watch the show, too. You can get the visual experience of the program. You can chat during the show. This is like many things happening at once. You might want to grow an extra arm to do this, but at twitch.tv slash Talk, that's where it all happens. Hello, Twitch friends. Watch the show, chat during the show, and you kind of get the show within the show as we uh, keep the mics on during radio commercial breaks. We've got two great guests joining us today. We're looking forward to both of these gentlemen joining the program Mike Waters right here in this hour. Mike's been busy uh, following all things off-season-wise in terms of Syracuse basketball. Had a great podcast chat with Benny Williams. You should, you should pardon me, certainly subscribe to the Inside Syracuse Basketball podcast with Mike Waters. You can find the YouTube video uh, if you don't listen on traditional podcast means. Very easy to find. So we'll talk to Mike about his conversation with Benny Williams and kind of the early read on the, on the player he's going to be next year. Mike had a great analysis about, you know, Quincy Garrier goes into the portal or the NBA, but we now know he's not coming back to Syracuse. So what does that mean? Because I think our automatic assumption is, well, got to go get another player, right? Well, no, maybe you don't. And I think that Mike and our friend Donna DeToto, who we had on the show yesterday, have, have broke this down really well. And like the blink of an eye, and I'm going to discuss this in the monologue here shortly. I wrote a column about it today. How, speaking of adapting and changing, how we as college basketball fans are, yeah, we're adapting. We get it. We understand what's happening here, but it doesn't mean we got to like it. It doesn't mean like this is all going to flush out in a good way for what at the heart of it sports is. But I'll get into that here shortly in the monologue. So we'll talk to Mike about all things Syracuse basketball coming up right here this hour. At 420, at 520, well, by golly, 
our guy, John Jastrzemski, JJ, just blowing up, literally. So you know that JJ now is a podcast on The Ringer. It's called New York, New York, just rubbing elbows with Bill Simmons and royalty in the media world. I've listened to pretty much every podcast JJ's done. He's killing it. He's our friend of the show. He's one of the main voices on New York sports that I trust. But does it get more New York than having your own billboard in Times Square? Yeah. JJ's in Times Square. I tweeted that earlier if you want to check it out uh, at Brent Dax Media. Walking through Times Square, there's JJ's big mug staring you down. Let's go. Uh, but a lot to get into with JJ. Yankees, who the fans did their job last night, and he was one of them. He was there in left field watching uh, the Yankees beat the Astros, and Yankee fans brought it, and they've got two more games with the Astros to go. So I'm uh, curious to see. <laughs> I'm just thinking about some videos I saw today of – people blowing up trash cans like those inflatable trash cans in the stands and they got confiscated and taken away. Like if you're a New York security guard, like don't you look the other way? Well, I don't see no trash can. I don't know what you're talking about, right? That's my bad New York accent, by the way. I was reading a story of this guy who prepped and planned to buy an Oscar the Grouch type of costume that's got the trash can on it and he did it way ahead of time so he knew he would have it for the game, and they wouldn't let him wear it to the game. And I'm just like, Yankee fans, they tried. They really did. But certainly some things were heard and said and uh, seen at Yankee Stadium. And J.J. will break that down for us. Uh, why the Mets are upset with some recent firings. Uh, the Rangers have been in the news a lot the last 24 hours or so. Made a very curious move today. We'll get J.J.'s take on that. The Nets and, of course, the Giants and Jets now completed NFL draft. So last to get into it, J.J., I believe, uh, Tommy Gunn, if we confirmed the great uh, Rick DiUlio, I think we're going to give uh, Rick DiUlio a little bit of a, a format here because he is one ticked-off Rangers fan, as he should be, by the way, because James Dolan just has stepped in and messed up what was a good thing and is doing something that no Ranger fan on the planet wanted to do. A, a, a day after the Rangers, by the way, wrote one of the best statements I've seen any professional sports team write in regards to something we're all thinking that you necessarily cannot say, no, they're going to get in trouble, probably fine for, but screw it, we're going to do it anyway. So, Tommy Gunn, if we confirmed the, the great Rick DiUlio, maybe we'll stop him. He's a busy guy. You know, Rick's got his own thing going over on TK, and he's one of our production wizards here as well. So, you're good to go, 440. I'm, Rick is... Rick is talking to us through through the window as we speak. So we're going to let Rick uh, vent a little bit on the, during hot takes because the Rangers are a tire fire. At least James Dolan is at this point. Uh, some interesting things brewing out there with our friends in Utica. Great interview today. Robbie Eshon with uh, Rain and Matt and the Vancouver Canucks announcing last night that uh, they're moving their AHL affiliate out of Utica. Seems to be a very amicable split, just kind of, the business of, of minor league hockey, and they want to be a little bit closer to home, which is understandable. And there will be AHL hockey in Utica next year. It's just a matter of, well, who are they going to be affiliated with, and will they have to change their name? Because there was some reports about the New Jersey Devils. They're moving out of Binghamton. That seems to be a natural transition. But as was told today to Rain Man, that uh, as, the, as the big man, the boss, Ed Levine, also reminded me on Twitter, said on this very radio station today, Robbie Esch 
of the Utica Comets saying that the Devils will not be, will not be Utica's NHL affiliate next year. So let the speculation begin on that. Okay, so a lot to get into, as you can imagine, uh, throughout the program. But I do want to start with the kind of piggybacking off the column I wrote today and, and just kind of where we're at with this transfer portal thing. Because I think we're losing more than players. I think the adjustment had to be made. Jim Behind came on this radio show two days after they lose to Houston in the Sweet 16, and you just felt an immediate shift in the air, right? That should be a time of reflection. It should be a time of, boy, whew, what a season. Went through COVID, went through all these pauses and interruptions, had a rough go of it at times, players in and out, barely made the tournament, got in the tournament, made a Sweet 16 run, further proving once again that all Syracuse has to do is just get in the tournament. Just let them in, and that decision will be validated. And you will be put into a position where you're not going to make a mistake by putting Syracuse in the field. Sweet 16 run this year. Sweet 16 run in 2018. Final four run in 2016. In 2017, they should have been in the tournament. 2019, one and done, lost to Baylor, who ends up two years later being the national champion of college basketball and, of course, no tournament in 2020. That's Syracuse has gone through the gamut there. 2015, of course, right before that Final Four run, they had a self-imposed ban from the tournament. So you name it, in the last six, seven years or so, we have seen it all. We have literally seen it all short of a run to the national championship game. So that should have been a time of, of nice, quiet reflection and confidence. And, you know, there's the natural comings and goings, and you have the end-of-the-season meetings. and you know you're going to lose maybe a guy or two to the NBA, and you're kind of used to it. But Jim came on the show, and he just kind of felt the heightened sense of buckle your safety belts. While we're on the air with Jim, two players reported, as we now know, have have since left, enter the transfer portal. And for a while there, your head was spinning, right? And then we saw what happened with the women's team, and one by one by one by one, until we got to 12 players on the roster decided to enter the transfer portal, the latest being Camilla Cardoso, who goes to South Carolina. And I, I'd be willing to bet's going to grab a national championship or two by the time she's done there. While also bringing in transfers themselves. I saw a list today, to be fair, to Coach Q, and I've been pretty hard on Coach Q and how this thing has gone down. But uh, Chantel Jennings, who covers women's basketball for the Athletic, ranked uh, top 10 teams today that benefited from the transfer portal, and Syracuse was on that list. They've brought in some talent. They've got a really good recruiting class coming in. I mean, fair is fair. They do have pretty much a full roster of players, despite losing 12. But I think what's getting lost in the mix here, as a fan, you got to be sitting back saying, look, I get it. I understand the world changes, and you got to change with it. I think most people would agree that players should have options. I am for this rule, the one-year waiver. I am not for being able to transfer where you want, when you want. There's got to be some standards there. But the whole process of having to wait a year is just something I've never agreed with, and we have discussed that at length even before it became reality this year. You know, Dick Vitale was on the show, was gracious to come on with us a couple weeks ago. I agreed to disagree. It was, you know, it got a little, it got a little heated there at times. Dick and I were arguing, but... I think respectfully, I respect his opinion. How could you not? It's Dick Vitale. But really, at the end of the day, what I stand for is players should have options. And for those that say, well, geez, 
they don't get enough playing time, they're going to transfer. Well, yeah, this just in. Players like to play. <laughs> That's why they go to college. That's why they are on sports teams. They like to play. And if there's a place that would look at that same player and say, you know what, there at Syracuse, you're not going to play much, but here at fill-in-the-blank, you're going to play more. What's wrong with that? So I'm all for that, but here's what's starting to settle in here. About a month and change later, what I think we're going to see happen is, at the very least, even the best of the best, go through every player, and we'll, we'll just keep it to the Bayheim era, right? Go through all the players, Louie and Bowie, up to Pearl, right on through to Derek Coleman, Billy Owens, Ronnie Sykes through the early 90s, all those great players that Syracuse had, to the 96 team with John Wallace, Jason Cipolla, and that crew, and all those individual names that have come along, of course, the 2003 team, which hit the ultimate heights for the championship with a one-and-done player, by the way, that we all knew, we all knew, was on borrowed time. Right on through to Buddy Bayheim's run this year. Now, Buddy's a player that's going to stick around that you can get to know, and has become more of, he's become the exception and not the rule, right? Because what's happening now is I think fans, it took a, a while for them to settle into the fact that if you see a player that's got real talent, they're going to be gone because they're going to go to the NBA. But now that doesn't matter. What you're going to be watching now is a team that's got a clock ticking behind it, and you're going to look on the bench, and I think the Kadari Richmond situation, for lack of a better term, this year represented that. We talked about this all year long, right, wrong, or indifferent, no matter what your opinion was. It was, that was the last year we're going to have that argument in that sense. Because now, specifically at Kadari Richmond, but a number of players have a little bit more leverage in the conversation. It makes it harder for a coach to say, this is better for you. Wait a year. This is how I coach my team. You'll get your shot. Well, now players have a shot elsewhere. So what I'm getting at here is the heart of getting to know players, something that fans have cherished through the years. Look, Jerry Seinfeld said it best. I should have pulled up the clip, right? But there's the very famous Jerry Seinfeld line about essentially in sports with all, and he was talking about professional sports, with all the movement, with free agency, with players coming and going, you root for laundry. You root for your laundry over their laundry. You root for your shirts over their shirts, right? And there's something to that. You should be a fan of a team because players do come and go. But you are a fan of a team. You are a fan of an organization. And at the heart of it, Syracuse fans are Syracuse fans. But when I say 87, 96, 03, 16, 18, even this year, you don't think of a university. You don't think of a name. You think of players. You think of the players you connected to. And even the ones you knew were on borrowed time because of talent, you still got to know them a little bit. Now it's speed dating. They better do something real quick. You better get to know everything you possibly can know about this person. And by the way, don't get attached because they could be gone after a year or two or whatever the case may be. Now, the other way this could go, because we're still obviously very early in the process, is you go through it for a year or two, 
I played the clip from Jim Beheim from ESPN Radio the other day when he was talking about, you know, we might have to play eight, nine guys just to keep them happy. Just And I'm paraphrasing here. I could pull up the clip and play it. But it's basically like, we don't need to have these big rosters anymore. we got to keep it at eight, nine, ten players. Because that ninth or tenth guy, if they're not playing, they're going to leave now. Or at least it's more likely they're going to leave. The usual process of wait your turn, kid, isn't going to work anymore. But coaches will adjust. They'll figure it out. But this kind of reminds me of when Syracuse left the Big East and went to the ACC. And what I mean by that is it's a move that when it happened, everybody knew had to happen. But it doesn't change the fact that you missed the old Big East. It doesn't change the fact that you missed the old rivalries. And Syracuse does play Georgetown now, and they, they kind of patch it up as best as they could. But it's not the same. But that was business, and it was a move everybody understood had to happen. What is being removed from rosters, if this goes the way it, can, it goes this year from next year on, you're taking the heart out of the game. It's become just a cold-blooded business, and there was something about college that still had that connection. Professional sports is professional sports. Everybody gets that, that watches it. These are paid professionals that don't get too attached, don't buy their jerseys, certainly. Like, nobody is safe. I'd like to be a Green Bay Packers fan right now. You thought you had Aaron Rodgers for life. Seattle Seahawks, you thought you were pretty good with Russell Wilson, right? Like, there's If you make a list of players in the National Football that you say absolutely positively will not go anywhere, I think New England Patriot fans for a long time didn't have to worry about watching Tom Brady win a Super Bowl somewhere else, but that just happened. But even in that heart of it, like, we get the game. It's pro sports. College, you at least had this connection. Even the players you knew would be gone after a year or two. But there was some pride in that. You took real pride in, like, yep, Carmelo, Syracuse. Carmelo kicking ass now, now in the top ten and scoring in the history of the NBA. There's still pride with that. Syracuse fans flood social media and, you know, Make the jokes about, you know, I want to print out that Carmelo Anthony apology form. You still can do it, right? There's some, there's pride in that. That's going to get harder now. Players will stick around. I mean, law of averages, what's I mentioned, Buddy Beheim, Joe Girard's a guy that's going to stick around. You're going to have players that will be around two, three, four years. Not everybody is just going to enter the portal and leave. But at the very least, one thing you could count on as a college sports fan, and I mentioned Syracuse specifically because that's the team we cover and talk about, was even though you knew they'd be leaving, there's a marked expiration with college players because they only could stay in college a certain amount of time. There was something about that personal connection. You almost felt like, as a fan in a way, like you were helping to shape and raise them as young men ready to go off into the world, and young women for that matter, watching the women's team. So what I think we're starting to see, and I didn't know the answer to this a month ago, but I'm now starting to see this formulate. It's not just players that are leaving. The heart of college basketball is leaving too. There will always be great things about the game, the competitions, the great rivalries, the league play, the tournament, you know, the annual will Syracuse make it, will they not? A lot of that will stick around. That's what gets us through the winter around here. But the transfer portal has made a deep, deep cut in the personal connection that fans have with the game. 
another part of kind of the cold-hearted business of sports that's creeped its way in. And on that note, we'll break. I'll get Mike Waters' thoughts on that, but certainly uh, there's a lot to analyze when it comes to Syracuse and how they're adjusting here, and maybe they don't need to get anybody else out of the portal. Maybe they're good, even with Quincy Garrier deciding to move on. So we'll discuss that and much more with Mike Coming up, we're going to get our stock market update before we break, and we got Josh today from Lee Baldwin and Company to tell us all about that. Hello, sir. It's Lee, actually, Brent. Oh, my Sorry goodness. About it is Lee. It's the man himself. All right. Fantastic. Yes. How are you? And I agree with you today. I agree with you. So we, uh, I'm doing well. Very good. Uh, stocks were pretty muted today. Uh, the NASDAQ did fall for the fourth straight day, I believe. I do have a diamond, though, 1-800-Flowers. That's up about 8% over the last two days. Big week, so big week for them. Absolutely. Big week. Right. Mother's Day's coming up. Don't forget that. So, And our dog uh, was on the headlines today, Peloton. They're down 14% on a treadmill recall. So what goes up sometimes goes down. And there you have it. Sounds like my weight. You know, what goes up must come down and up again. There you go. Thank you, sir. I, I should Maybe I should use the Peloton, not the one that's getting recalled. You know, one of the other ones that's still safe. Right. It's good for hanging clothes in my house. So. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Thank you, sir. That's our friend Lee Baldwin, who you can find, of course, in Kaz or Utica, LeeBaldwin.com. Stop in, zoom in, and make sure you have all the diamonds and none of the dogs on your portfolio. Mike Waters next. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back, friends. On the Block, ESPN Radio, twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. Mother's Day is coming. And that's this weekend, guys. Come on now. Get on that. I'm going to help you. Because Del Lago's got your Mother's Day covered. You can start by celebrating mom with dinner reservations at the award-winning Portico by Fabio Viviani. Offering a specialty chef-curated menu for the holiday weekend. And then, then you can give the gift of excitement with a Del Lago Resort and Casino gift card. You can purchase that at DelLagoResort.com and book your reservations today. We welcome you back or welcome you aboard. If you're just hopping on here, glad to have you on this uh, rainy Wednesday here in central New York. John Jastrzemski is going to join us here uh, this hour. He was there last night, Yankees and Astros. Uh, Yankee fans certainly... Uh, how can I put this? Being Yankee fans, which is what we were counting on last night. I was actually more interested in the stuff that didn't happen. I saw some videos of garbage can, inflatable garbage cans being confiscated. and Some chants that I cannot repeat on the radio here. And, you know, Yankee fans came through. Not often I credit Yankee fans on this show, but they came through last night. Very good, very good. Good job, guys. Good job, everyone. Fantastic. JJ was there. He'll give us some great stories. Talk some New York sports with us here. We'll go on the blind side later this hour. You're welcome to chime in on anything we've discussed so far. If you've been with us so far, and the Twitch chat has certainly been doing that. We had Mike Waters on earlier, talk hoops and transfer portal, and Pat's in the chat. And it's just a lively time, as always, at twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk. Uh, John Desco had his weekly uh, press briefing today via Zoom, of course. And, well, as you would anticipate, when the name Chase Scanlon came up, not much was said. So I wanted to play a couple of clips from that because there was some lacrosse discussed and how they're getting through this, you know, air quotes distraction, if you will. But here is, I believe, uh, we've just got some audio here of a, a Syracuse SID kind of stepping in. And, and 
this this was the sense of what you got. They're still limited. In what, and again, to be fair, to clarify, there are federal privacy laws, Title IX laws, FERPA laws, federal laws that do prevent them from commenting on certain aspects of a player's status when that is involved, right? With Chase's situation, federal law comes in. Those laws are stricter these days, and it, it gets layered and it gets complicated, and then I understand that. So let's just play the clip. We're not going to take that question as it pertains to uh, what we talked about. Um, Coach Esco is prohibited by what he can say beyond the record, beyond what the, the student that Chase down as a member of the team. Other than that, we are not going to comment any further on that. So anything on Chase uh, pretty much was met with that, including I asked if his status had changed, because even with that federal law thing hanging around, Desco was willing to share last week that Scantlin was working out on his own and would not travel to Notre Dame. So the question surrounding Chase now is, has his practice status changed and would he be available to play Friday against Robert Morris, which is a home game, and that was? Uh, I, you know, I can't get into specifics of our, our practice. We're just trying to get ready for Robert Morris. I don't know why federal law would prohibit you from discussing the practice status of a current member on your roster, but... I'm not a lawyer. I just play one on the radio. So they wouldn't even get into those specifics that, that this time around. They would last week. That's their choice. But that, to me, is something that needs to be clarified because last week the players took a stand and said they would not practice on the same field with Chase Scanlon. Has that changed? I got some indications today that maybe in some ways that changed. I don't know if he was a full participant in practice, what that was, but he was on the field today at the Dome in some capacity. They practiced inside at the Carrier Dome today. Again, I, don't know, I don't know if that was in an official role or if he was still doing his individual work or whatever the case may be, but given the hard stance that the players had taken, that they wouldn't be on the same field with them, is that still the case? I think that's a fair question, but that, those are the answers we got, uh, federal laws and all that. Okay, well, what about the distraction of the situation and, and working through that and trying to get better as a team? You know, the Situation aside, this team has not been playing well. And they just got smoked this past weekend by Notre Dame, beat Virginia the week before that, and got smoked by North Carolina. They're in kind of an up a roller coaster ride of a run here down the stretch. Now, Robert Morris is a team they should beat, but Robert Morris is a team that gave Virginia fits, that played Duke for three quarters, that is good defensively, and I think they're motivated to come in and try and take advantage of a Syracuse team that some view as distracted right now. And I think if you're Robert Morris, you're like, oh, so we're your little patsy here at the end of the season, just a little tune-up before the NCAA tournament? I don't think so. I think Syracuse is going to win this game because top to bottom, they just have more talent. But how are they getting through this lacrosse-wise? Is Desco concerned about that distraction? Here's what he said about that. Today. I am concerned because our whole goal is trying to get the team to focus on uh, our next opponent, in this case, uh, Robert Morris. and. They're a little different, and like I mentioned earlier, we have a, a day less to prepare. Uh, but I think the guys have come with the, the right attitude to practice. Uh, we're putting a little bit more time into uh, film. I know they're putting some extra time in themselves to try to get to understand uh, who Robert Morris is and what they like to do. And again, they, they do things a little bit differently, so it's uh, we don't want to get caught off guard with it. Desco was asked how it's been on him the past few weeks with all this bubbling up personally you know i've been doing this for a while and i've seen uh different situations come up over the years uh so i'd like to think that that's uh you know helped me deal with things 
but it's uh, uh you know obviously a challenge but it's uh it's it's my job it's what i get paid for things are going to happen and uh i still sleep at night now this is a team that is going to make the ncaa turn i don't think it would be a good idea for them to lose to robert morris and put that in question there is a couple of bid stealers out there as our friend Anish shroff was telling us earlier in the week but they're going to make the tournament. I don't think they're going to be seated at this point. I think they're going to have a, a long, tough road in the tournament. And remember, this is a team that even with some of the more talented rosters they've had in recent years, and I mean, just go through it, they made the national title game in 2013. They haven't gotten out of the quarterfinals of the tournament since, one way or the other. This was a team fully expected to be in the hunt for, at the very least, the Final Four, even if you don't want to say this was a championship-caliber team, team, pardon me, given Virginia and Duke and North Carolina and Denver and Maryland, and, and there's a lot of teams that came in with a lot of loaded rosters. Maybe we inflated Syracuse's chances, but they had seven preseason All-Americans. They had their starting goaltender back, at least on paper, two of the best face-off guys in, in the ACC, and Jacob Fopp and Danny Varello. We looked at the defense. They brought in Wyckoff, the transfer from Gettysburg, who was, by all accounts, a shutdown defender. And you looked at the defense and you said, okay, there's there's probably some challenges there. They don't have a true number one shutdown, you know, number 11 caliber player. And that's no offense to Brett Kennedy, who wears the 11. But, you know, the 11, if you're not familiar, is basically the equivalent of the 22 on the defensive side of the ball. It's handed to the best defender on the team who's seen as kind of the top shutdown defender. They just, if you want to analyze it fairly, they don't have one. But the thought was, and this was my thought amongst others, their offense was so good, so deep, so overwhelming that it would hide your flaws on defense for the most part. That obviously has not been the case. They're historically bad on defense, and that's not just me trying to make some bold opinion here. Statistically, historically bad. They're matching marks we haven't seen since the 1970s. And a rare blip on the Syracuse lacrosse radar when they were terrible. Two and nine seasons, three and eight seasons, giving up 20 goals in two games in a single season for the first time since 77. I can go through all the trends. They're not good. And you've seen what's happened on the field through the last three weeks. So all that being said, how does Desco look at where they're at in terms of that NCAA tournament situation? You know, I haven't... uh heard the head of the selection committee i know things are different now especially with with covid um but if you look at um you know in the past strength of schedule um wins in the top five top ten um you're out of conference wins so a lot of those things that uh you know we have an argument uh you know based on our our schedule uh some of our wins and uh, I haven't, I haven't really, I don't know if there's a, you know, the NCAA RPI is different. I think it'd be very difficult to, um, you know, with the RPI as far as how are you going to calculate that because of a lot of teams just playing in their own conference. So, um, but we, we, we definitely have a good argument. And one more thing I wanted to play here from Desco today. Uh, there's been a groundswell. Just, it's been inspiring, frankly, to see. I think every individual member of the men's lacrosse team, if I'm not mistaken, if they, I, we might have missed a few, posted a statement on Instagram or Twitter or whatever social media feed you prefer in support of the One Love Foundation. The One Love Foundation has a lacrosse connection, and that, you know, unfortunately, about ten years ago, 
It was founded when the girlfriend of a lacrosse player, not at Syracuse, but of a lacrosse player, was was tragically murdered. And the One Love Foundation does a lot of work with uh, domestic violence and, and dealing with all sorts of, of tough issues. But the way that they do it is is amazing, and it's supported by the lacrosse community. And, and to see these men's lacrosse players come out individually in favor of this, I've seen a lot of the women's lacrosse players do the same thing. It's been inspiring to see them turn a situation here, given that a domestic incident, and again, not all the, all the details are out there, but we do know it was a domestic incident. To see them support this amazing foundation, Inside Lacrosse is doing the One Love Week, and it's just the way the lacrosse community has stepped up, despite what's happening at Syracuse, to support this amazing organization has been inspiring. Now, Desco was asked about that a couple of times during his uh, presser today, and he kind of kept the answer short. But here's what he said. Well, I'll say again, I think it's a great organization that's been around for a long time. He was even hesitant to comment on his players. Like, and again, I don't want to speak for him here, but here you have your players doing something amazing, stepping out there and raising awareness for this incredible organization. And both times he was asked about it, basically said, yeah, they're a great organization. They've been around a long time. Like, count me in as that was kind of a weird answer. It's just, just my read on it, just my opinion on it, but... You're, you're so, I guess, limited in what you can say or hesitant, I think would be a better word, in what you can say about this whole thing. Like, you won't even comment on your players. Now, there's obviously a reason for this, to be fair. I don't know if it pertains to the federal laws we keep hearing about, but you can't say anything beyond that, that you're, every one of your players use their platform to support an amazing organization and that... That's that's the answer. I mean, that's your choice. That's that's given the platform you were given. That's what you said, and there's obviously a reason for it. But I just, I just, I just that struck me as odd. Well, I'll say again. I think it's a great organization that's been around for a long time. But that's all he would say. It's, okay, it's look. That's your choice. That's your format. That's your prerogative. But I don't know. I found that odd. On that note, we'll break. JJ is next. I mean, the fact that he found time to come on this show given the big-time talent he is these days with his own billboard in Times Square. Incredible. A lot of New York sports to get into with J.J., including he was there last night, Yankees and Astros. Stay right there.